This is Donovan Morningfire, and I leveled up listening to the Order 60... Oh, uh, wrong podcast. Whoops. Hey guys, this is GMJP from Cary, North Carolina, giving a shout-out to my brother Marcel and my nephew Jean-Luc Injustice. And I never, ever listen to the Order 66 podcast. Hmm. Oh, Injustice, I will have my revenge. For slam all my droids, will you? I'm shaking my fist at you. I'm shaking it! He has a relative named Jean-Luc. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Execute Order 66. D20 Radio sends a shout-out to Christopher Dumbreski, the newest D20 Radio contributor. This show is for you. Yes, indeed, you're back. The Order 66 podcast. Welcome, everyone, for episode number 83. Long delayed, of course, by weather and other factors and travel and yeah, octopus, giant octopus. Yeah, squid. You know, there was a there was a random report of a trailer park incident that occurred with a bottle of wine and dang, eight uh, and eight and eight ball and and you know some other things. We don't. Yeah, Dave. I don't know if we need to get in more detail. It it gets pretty Graf- rough graphic yeah. yeah this is a family yeah. show it's supposed to be right right okay all right so i'll, I'll leave out yeah. the part about the vice okay um yeah oh yeah the voices you hear by the way I, i'm gm dave and the voices you hear are the crew what's going on guys what's up gamer nation this is gm chris here and with me as always is my uh lovely lovely companion uh, the uh sometimes dancer uh one time uh, spice addict and always a blast at parties twilight goodness oh yeah it, I'm, I'm more fun at parties when when i'm addicted to the spice though i have uh, to absolutely absolutely what what spice would the, oh spice would that be you don't huh? know do you, you don't know do you <laughs> <It's> the, no <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> Cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who may be walking into this pantheon of the absurd for the first time, I apologize, but you are now about to be subjected to the rigors of the Order 66 podcast, the only podcast devoted to Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing. And uh, damn, we got a crunchy show for you guys tonight. Big time, man. I mean, 10 days gone. I mean, you just can't. You just can't. Put together everything that we're going to put together in the next hour or so, and call it bad. It has you to be good. No, you cannot. So okay. Um, sp- speaking of spice addiction and, and, and like using spice, well, not, not like 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 spices. Um, so apparently this was what TG last month we were over at Brebs playing a bunch of board games, and we convinced him to take the cinnamon challenge. <laughs> yeah, that was like three weeks ago. Dave, have yeah. you have you ever heard of the cinnamon challenge? No. So I encourage everybody. I encourage to everyone, try everyone to try this. It is physically impossible to swallow an entire tablespoon of cinnamon in one gulp. If you just open your mouth, get the tablespoon measure, fill it with cinnamon, 
scrape it off towards exactly one tablespoon, pour it into your mouth, close your mouth, and try and swallow. You cannot do it. It is not physically possible. Millions have tried, and the results are all over YouTube. Um, this is old web news, but uh, yeah, seriously. So Brevin never heard of it. He took the cinnamon challenge, and the results were explosive. We, we have it on video. <laughs> we, do have, <laughs> we do have it on video. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. One of these days, we'll save it for blackmail. Uh, yeah, Although I, I have a feeling that Brev isn't going to mind so much. Probably not. He's yeah. done worse on tape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Speaking of on tape, don't we have new podcast up? Hmm. Hmm. That's been recorded. You like that segue? Oh yeah. Uh, wait for it. Wait for it. Accessing. <sighs> New acquisitions. Greetings, Gamer Nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. Ah, yes. Indeed. Oh, plenty. Indeed. How about that? Yes! So, Twee, that goodness. What of you, what, what, what is it that you speak of? Well, one of the ones that I think is really cool is, what is oh, I'm going to make sure I say this correctly. Tweekocast? Did I say it right? Tweekocast. Right. Tweekocast. Yeah! I don't know what it's about. This week in Champions Online, but I just like the name. <laughs> <laughs> Tweeko. It's fun. It's fun to say. Tweeko cast. Well, what TG is referring to is that we have exciting news. D20 Radio is expanding yet again, Gamer Nation, and we are proud to welcome three, three brand spanking new podcasts to our official ranks. Um, this is very exciting stuff. And uh, uh, TG, I know you haven't, you haven't played Champions Online yet, have you? No. I, I don't think you have. I'm pretty aware of your... Uh, your video game leanings, but Dave, you're playing. Uh, you're playing Champions Online pretty regularly. I, I uh, yeah, I started. I started into Champions Online a lot, and then all of a sudden, you know, with everything with work and soccer and everything else, this kicked off. I really haven't been playing the game that much, but I got a character up to you know level fifteen, sixteen, so, and I actually multiple characters because I'm an altaholic. So, yeah, but it's a fun little game. Very nice. Very and nice. They're well, uh, they're just trucking away on that Tweeko cast too. What episodes? Do they, how many episodes do they have out now? I think they've got seven. Oh, that's fantastic! How are they doing that? Like, are they are they doing one every other day or what? Well, well when, they what, they were a little established before. They yeah, they were at three or four by the time we put them on the network. So, cool. yeah. yeah, one a week. Yeah, they've been doing one a week pretty regular. Mm-hmm. Hence, this week in Champions Online. <laughs> yeah. Okay, smartass. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on, Dave. What else do we got? Oh, um, did we did we talk about the power source yet? N- no, I, my the, my goodness, we need to talk about the power. The source. power source. This is a competing podcast, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a fourth edition podcast. So you, what? What do you say? We have two fourth edition podcasts. Hey, it's only good for the network, man. I mean, we 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 welcome a second saga edition podcast, but. Unfortunately, yes. we're so damn good that no one has even bothered to challenge us. So that's just the way it goes. That being said, 
You keep talking like that. Mm. Mm, someone will come up. <laughs> uh, yep, exactly. Anyway, the power source is um, it, it's a good cat. It's it's a little bit different from um, from RFH. RFH. Yeah, I was trying to go for the whole name, Radio Free Hamlet. Uh, Jared is the guy who you want to look up there, and they are less crunch, more story. Kind of, I don't know. It's kind of an in between. So they're the jelly to RFH's peanut butter. Right. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. And that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, exactly. So there you and go. And also, yeah. Also, I'm really excited because our third podcast we've recently added is a much more esoteric and kind of fun vein. Our very first literary podcast has joined uh, the network yes. officially. Oh, hey. Uh, D- oh. D20 Radio alum Clacky. Uh, brings us into the dark world of H.P. Lovecraft with the H.P. Lovecraft <laughs> Literary Podcast, which we lovingly refer to on the boards as Podcraft. H.P. Podcast. You got to be careful the way you say that. <laughs> podcraft, that can turn out really bad. See, there you go again. There you, you go very, very good. But they've got 13 highly entertaining episodes already up. And anyone interested in learning more about this literary genius and creator of RPG fodder for millions should tune in. Because yep. HP Lovecraft should be on everyone's reading list. Yep. Oh, by the way, for those of you that wonder why you're in the chat room and Dave Math is such that you see 13 people and I say hello to the 76 people watching, it's times like this. Obviously, Brev is watching. He's not in the chat room because he just sent me the video of the cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's watching on YouTube, but he's not in the chat room. So there you go. So Absolutely. you guys. If he sent you the video, then that means he's got my camera. Ah. Mm. I'm gonna have to talk to him about uh-huh. that earlier. Yes, I was. Mm. Well, anyway, we <laughs> welcome the three new podcasts, the D20 Radio. It's yes. fantastic to have you, and things welcome. are going strong. But as for our existing podcasts, it's been a heck of a busy week and a half. Oh yes, man. RFH, by the way. Speaking of RFH, Adventure Number Thirty Two, all about house rules in your fourth edition D and D game. That is worth listening to twice. As a matter of fact, you need to save it. <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, fantastic episode. They're coming around the back stretch, man. They're they're in heavy compete competition wars right now with Game On, which returned uh, with the lovely dulcet tones of Cat um, co-hosting, who joins Fiddleback for their own thirty-second episode, all about favorite playing card games. I know they go into like gin and like just games that I've always heard about and never actually played. Right. The only one they didn't cover was Cribbage, who and Cribbage is one of my favorite games. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I love cribbage. I, I grew up playing cribbage, man. We yeah. play cribbage more often. Hey, dude, when that's... I go, when I throw darts, or when I used to throw darts in college, that's what you do in between, in between games is 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 uh, play nice. cribbage, because you know in your league game you play one game, you wait for half an hour, you play another game, and cribbage in between. Very nice. Very, yes. very nice. Yes. Yes. And meanwhile, um, the Super Gaming Podcast has struck back with episode twenty-three. In space. Oh. You need an echo. Space. 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 <laughs> Join mostly Joe and special guest Old School and Ganthet as they geek out about cosmic superheroes and running cosmic games. Ah. Very nice. Nice. Very, very nice. So, um, shame on us, okay? Why? We missed, uh, we missed uh, Bruce you. City Gamers 36 and 37. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know, and uh, yeah. How could y'all? That's just 
That's the, horrible. The, the, bo- the boys from Milwaukee deserve more respect. They're cool guys. They yeah, deserve they respect. Do. Yeah. It's respect. So, so, so they got two new episodes out, 36 and 37? 36 and 37. That's right. Very, very nice. Can you believe that, man? I mean, those guys are just going inobtrusively brilliant is episode number 37. And uh, talking about uh, the game review of the Rise of Cobra, uh, along with uh, Dominion, I believe, is their, their review for the board game side. So, uh, yeah, check it out. I, uh, I enjoy their cast quite a bit. They're marked explicit, you know, but they're not really all that bad. They're not really all that bad, no. Their banter is highly enjoyable yes it is it is and speaking of highly enjoyable banter with a scottish accent the small but vicious podcast comes at us with episode nine uh a part one of a two-part look at the forces of chaos in uh, warhammer fantasy role-playing um old school and shibuda fill our ears with the tones of sigmar's favorite podcast yo shibuda yo boom yep boom and not to be outdone minis mayhem has released episode number 16 the dark Shoot. Oh, that's the Duke shoot. The Duke, Duke. shoot, sorry. Shoot the glass. She's <laughs> Timpinsta. <laughs> yeah, that was the one that was going up the night of our last podcast and, you know, that I kind of teased and then it didn't go up and then it did and it kind of didn't, but it did. And so there <laughs> it is. Yeah. So I'm assuming they're talking about Dooku? They're Count Dooku, indeed. Gosh. Got to get my minis on. Yeah, mini zone. And it's been a busy week. So, guys, get out there to d20radio.com and check out oh. the uh, the new Ludi posted podcast. We have quite a bit. And uh, moving on to some convention craziness. Um, there is conventions happening aplenty. And uh, we have our very own Princess of Alderaan, lead moderator, Zarissa, will be attending Little Rock Game Con 2009. Uh, November 13th through the 15th, just coming up here um, at the Wyndham Hotel and Resort in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, This is a very simple, local, three-day convention of overall gaming and geeky excitement um, covering just all gaming genres, video games, card games, RPGs, comics, board games, anime, just every geekly pursuit you can imagine. And as we said, D20 Radio's own Z-Rissa will be there along with the rest of her brood. And thanks to her and our very own Donovan Morningfire, and the boys in white, the local 501st. At the con, you will have the chance to participate in a raffle run by the 501st for a free copy of Galaxy at War, signed by John Stevens, Donovan Morningfire, and a replica blaster carbine used by the 501st. Oh, yes. All proceeds for that go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Ah, Fantastic little effort. Absolutely. It's wonderful. If you guys want to find out more, you can at www.littlerockgamecon.com. It's awesome. And now, it's too awesome. And now, what else is awesome? Oh, I know. How about, how about three minutes of this? Good evening. This is Luke Lowbrow for the Holonet News Network. Tonight we begin part one of our three-part series called The Architects of Your Empire. We're joined in the studio by Landy Marlar, Chief of Design of Imperial Installations. Welcome, Landy. It's great to have you. Why, thank you. The pleasure is all mine, Mr. Lowbrow. We've had a number of questions from our viewers. Probably the most common question we get is, how come in Imperial installations there are no handrails? It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I would answer that question with another question. My question to you is, what does a handrail say to you 
when you see a handrail. Uh, a handrail says, don't fall off this cliff 50 stories to your doom down a power shaft. When I see a handrail, it says, I know where you should be walking. I know where you should be standing. I know how close you should get to the edge. But Luke, this is an empire. This is not some nanny state that wipes your bottom and gives you a free lunch and makes sure you get free preschool. No, this is an empire. We don't need handrails, because if you fall off a cliff, I got 30 other people willing to do your job. Speaking of safety, we've heard rumors that you've placed gigantic power release conduits in the Imperial Throne Room on the second Death Star. Is that true? Of course it's true, Luke. Don't be so naive. This is an Imperial Throne Room. What do you have in your office, Luke? You got a little mini fridge for your Diet Coke? Maybe a little microwave for your Hot Pockets? Is that what you have in your office? Well, this is a throne room for an emperor, not an office for a used car salesman. He's got to have a room that shouts, power, authority. If some person comes in whining about how the rebel fleet is mobilized to the borders of Sullust, He's got to be able to look around the room and say, don't bring your piddly little problems to me, or I'll throw you down that shaft. Lickety-split, I'll have these red guys do it. No big whoop. I'm the Emperor. Back off. Landy, what if someone tried to assassinate the Emperor by throwing him down one of those shafts? If the customer asks for the giant shaft, you give him the giant shaft and you just have to make it work. That's all the time we have for tonight. We'd like to thank our guest, Landy Marlar, Chief Architect of Imperial Installations. Please stay tuned for Dr. Phil, whose topic this evening is What do you do when your daughter is dating a Gungan? Here's a preview. Darling, this fella ain't gonna be able to support you. Before you know it, he's gonna be grabbing fish off the cart in the market, getting into fights with dugs. Then where are you gonna be, huh? Where are you going to be? I'll tell you where you're going to be. You're going to be sleeping in the back of his bongo. That's where you're going to be, sleeping in the back of a bongo. I just have one question for you. How many fingers and toes do you think that baby's going to get? Because humans and Gungans aren't compatible. How many fingers and toes is your baby going to have? Ah, yes, indeed. Very nice. Thank you, Luke Lowbrow. A.K.A. Dan. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's been a couple of weeks. Have we heard anything from Cody? Is he dead from Cody? Um, Well, um, no, no, he's not dead. Actually, I I did get something. Um, After kind of, I guess, a surprising absence, I I did finally get a postcard in the mail from our our, our good friend, Commander Cody. Um, It wasn't really addressed to me, though. Um, it, It was actually addressed to T.J., so I'm I'm not too sure about that, but but anyway, uh, this this postcard is is interesting. Uh, it's got a a scaly exterior with a picture of a rocky world orbited by a, a massive orbital shipyard, and, and the wording on it reads, "Patiently, we welcome you to Sluis Van, traveler. We sh- should warn you that the virtues of patience are valued here." You will find that we will fix your ship when it is fixed. From across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. DGM Dive and TG. Hello, friends. 
I'm sorry I wasn't in communication range last week. I, uh, had a bit of shore leave come up and uh, I decided to use it. It's been a while since I've taken a vacation. Now, where I went, <laughs> that's not really important, but, but now that I'm back, I'm once again eagerly serving the glorious Empire. As a loyal servant who would never disseminate information on troop reports or, or anything like that to any undesirable elements, I trust you'll take my current mission report with some discretion, as you always do. This week I've requested our unit be placed into rotation of the occupation on the world of Sluis Van. This world is probably most famous for its top-notch shipyard. Sluicy ships are known throughout the galaxy for their fine manufacturer quality, though the native Sluicy take their time doing it, one can't argue with the results. Even the Empire knows not to rush Sluicy patients, as their shipyard is one of the Empire's more valuable commodities. The Sluicy themselves are an odd bunch of aliens. From the waist up, they're vaguely humanoid in appearance, but below the waist, a scaly serpentine tail propels them along, instead of a set of proper legs. Their serpent heritage makes them annoyingly relaxed and calm, and extremely patient. The snakes sided with the Separatists during the Clown Wars, and so the Empire naturally has occupied this planet since the end of the war. There are rumors that a great deal of anti-imperial sentiment exists here on Sluis Van, with the Sluisy being very eager to throw off the yoke of imperial rule. Such treasonous talk doesn't deserve any real mention, eh? <laughs> uh, Still, though, I I'm sure that some anti-imperial cells probably do exist here. If I could just find them. Anyway, chaps, I I'll best be off. There's a scheduled beating of a sluicy dissenter this afternoon I don't want to be late for. If you all are in the outer end territories, then your ship needs a bit of maintenance. Sluis Van is definitely the place for it. As long as, you know, you don't mind waiting a bit. Later, your friend, Commander Cody. Huh. I wonder... I, I don't know. I'm sensing... I, I don't much care for this new tone Cody's taking. I, I fear that he might be shirking his Imperial responsibilities oh, you, somewhat. No. You worry too much. Don't worry Dude, about you're it. You're reading way too much into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you guys that, are probably... You know, and, and that's just because you're a freaking, you know, Imperial troglodyte. Hey, 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 don't you dare disparage the fine Empire and all that it's given us. Yes, okay. I know. You know, th this kind of attitude might exactly be why he didn't address this postcard to you this time. Yeah. You're just not understanding enough of him. And yeah. it's apparently, obviously, hurting his feelings. Right. See? Huh. That's why. That's way he's a sensitive. He's a sensitive trooper. He is. He Whoa. told me this. So I can't believe he... I'm defending this lad. I, well, that speaks volumes for me. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll reconsider. Maybe I'll... Send him a, a fruit cake or something. Yes, please. Please reconsider. Yes, indeed. I wonder if they speak parcel tongue on that planet. Oh. You have any idea? No, I, I really don't. Never been there. Twenty docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Okay. Okay. I have two. It's, I, it's, I, it's I, question I, time. I like the questions. Ah, yeah. Ah, 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 I do too. I have two. Two. Count them. Two audio questions. Oh wow. Okay. But first, Delric. 
Delric. Delric has an explosive question. Grab your tarps. (laughs) 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 Do grenades... What? Oh, it's grenades. Different type of explosive. Okay. (laughs) Wow. So what's the question there, Dave? Do grenades automatically hit the chosen intersection of squares by the attacker? I don't see evidence of a mechanic for grenades possibly missing their mark and bouncing elsewhere. Well, that's, that's, that's a pretty common question, Delric. Yep. And the answer you will find is in the errata. errata. The errata uh, makes a rather large change for all area attacks in that if you fail to hit at least a 10 with your attack roll, you deal zero damage. Yes. So you, you, you hurl a grenade, you make the attack roll. If the attack roll beats the target's reflex defense, they take full damage. If it doesn't beat the reflex defense, they take half, as long as the attacker hits at least a 10. That's kind of what it needs to land in that intersection. Um, at this point, I mean, it, actually, it pretty much always lands in the chosen intersection of squares. Um, your foes just got out of the majority of the blast if you roll beneath a 10. Um, right. for, for an attack roll that gets below a 10 and misses completely, it's really up to your GM to determine how, like, role-playing-wise the miss occurred. Um, maybe, you know, you just missed the intersection totally. Maybe you forgot to pull the pin. Maybe maybe the grenade was a dud or a foe had enough time to grab it and toss it away. All these things are possible, and it's really up to the purview of your GM. Yeah. What's important, though, is mechanically, if it's below a 10, no damage, complete miss, however you determine that. Like they say on Slewis Vaughn, it's a miss. It's a miss. And uh, remember, Delric, one additional thing per the errata. Characters with any kind of cover from a grenade don't take half damage on a miss. A lot of people forget that while we're talking about it. Right. Not a total miss, but a half damage miss. Does that make sense, guys? I mean, that's that's, that's a common question, yeah. you know. But but I know we we play that way. I mean, are you guys cool with that rule? Yeah. We yeah. Yeah. I think we beat it's... that one into the ground. Actually, yeah. it hasn't been discussed to... in a little while. I know. Dorante Moron. That's kind of a funny name. Has <laughs> a quick question. When using a self-built dual-bladed lightsaber to make a full attack action, do you gain plus one to both attacks or just one? Hey, both. dude, I can answer that off the top of my head because I am a double-bladed lightsaber-wielding Wookiee guy. Boom. Dude, Go it's ahead. plus one all, every time, all the time, on any attack roll made with that weapon, dude. You are correct, sir. You are absolutely correct. Oh, yay! For those of you who would like uh, the official clarification, uh, turn to page 40 of the core rulebook, where the self-built lightsaber sidebar details it. And to quote word for word, you gain a plus one bonus on attack rolls with your scratch-built lightsaber. That's pretty general. That's it, man. It's it's meant to be that way. Darth Draconis. 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 Whatever. We'll call him Draconis. Darth Eva Braun. <laughs> to go with Adolf. Okay. Okay. Has a crunchy question related to a cool piece of cybernetics from Galaxy at War. It's kind of a long question, so I may fumble it around a little bit. Bear with me, please. I have a question regarding the new infrared eye in the cybernetics section of the new Galaxy at War book. I know mechanically, this eye basically just grants the person dark vision. 
but I thought it could be used in a more interesting way. Basically, my party has a hard time identifying super stealthy individuals. I know if a person is trying to use shadows to hide themselves, this eye basically just negates that because you can see perfectly in the dark. What about people who use stealth field generators? Do they still generate heat? And if this is the case, couldn't you rule that infrared eye might be able to see traces of the stealthy individuals using stealth field generators, possibly granting them a circumstance bonus on their perception checks? Interesting. Uh. Um, well, uh, for those following along in their storybooks at home, the Infrared Eye, page 49 of Galaxy at War, um, has some flavor text saying that it lets you see body heat. Yippee. Mechanically, as you point out, Darth, all it does is grant you dark vision. So darkness, low light, they mean nothing to you. Per the raw, the rules as written, all this does is grant you dark vision. Using it against stealth field generators is not raw, despite the flavor text. Now, as for using it against stealth field generators as a house rule, there's two ways to look at it, okay? The first, stealth field generators are a pretty advanced piece of technology, and I really can't imagine a device able to bend light and muffle sound around you couldn't also mask your body heat as part of its basic function. But if you don't buy that, or you'd like to give your players an edge, which it sounds like they might need in your game, then I think a favorable circumstance bonus to spot an individual is entirely reasonable. So reasonable reasonable what do you guys think about that um i don't know I, i'm with you i'm i'm if you're using a field a stealth field generator that's that advanced i, I don't see how it's not going to mask your body heat yeah. and it fits more with raw i think it makes sense right yeah so, so. in other words darth mcmoygan <laughs> draconis sorry i don't think we're gonna do that but you can dude you can in your own house game man there's nothing that says you can't dude nothing wrong dude nothing wrong with that at all and again especially keep in mind i got into an interesting forum discussion today with one of our new posters who you know kept was bringing up a good point that again what it all comes down to raw rules is intended what's ultimately most important is fun having fun at the game and having fun at the table and if you find that your players can't spot pcs that npcs that you're throwing at them either help them spot them to make it more fun or stop using those NPCs. <laughs> yeah. I know Draconis said he was talking specifically about the uh, stealth troopers in Dawn of Defiance. Um, even though they're part of the module, you don't have to use those specific troopers, especially if your party's having that hard of a time. That's so. true. Okay, so first question from Rikoshi here on D20 Radio. Ask away. Hi, this is Rikoshi, and I have a question about the Ghost Assailant talent, which is one of the new talents from the Camouflage talent tree introduced in Galaxy at War. This talent says that it lets you spend a swift action if you have either total cover or total concealment to allow you to make a stealth check versus target's perception check, and if you succeed on that opposed check, then that opponent is considered flat-footed until the end of your turn. My question is, isn't this something that you can do anyway without having a talent that allows you to do it? My impression was is that if you were under total cover or total concealment and an opponent was unaware of you, then you got to make a stealth roll versus their perception, and if they failed that perception check, they were not aware of you, and ergo were either flat-footed or had uh, lost their uh, dex bonus to reflex defense, allowing various other uh, options for that attack to trigger. Uh, is this... An under misunderstanding on my part of the core rules, 
or is this something that is being introduced to sort of help clarify that? Uh, if that could be uh, made clear to me, that would be great help. Thanks. All right, so this is a good question. It is, and I, I've got the talent up right now. Um, it's on page 20 of Galaxy at War. And to paraphrase what he, what he basically said, if I'm understanding it, as I'm reading this correctly, if you start your turn with total concealment or total cover, um, during your turn you make a stealth check as a swift action, obviously opposed by perception, and if you succeed, the target is considered flat-footed against you until the end of your next turn. Here's the big difference. Normally, if a target knows I'm there, I can't just make a stealth check. I know we've talked about this before. Think about it this way. If I smile at you and then go hide behind the couch, you know I'm behind the couch. <laughs> no matter how well I'm hiding and you can't see me or hear me, you know that I'm behind the couch. You would need to create first a, a, a distraction via the a deception check in order to, to hide successfully, and then, boom, when I attack, then you're flat-footed against that. The first part of this beautiful talent is that it totally surpasses that. It's saying, even if you're staring at me and you watch me go behind the couch, this ghost assailant talent, ah, I can just simply make my stealth check as a swift action, and I've ghosted around, and I, I can treat you as flat-footed. Furthermore, normally, if I am hidden and I do attack, unless I'm using the, uh, the uh, snipe application of the stealth skill, I'm all of a sudden known. Okay, if I shoot you from behind the couch when I was previously hidden, well, you now know that I'm there. I just shot you. Well, not with this talent. With this talent, you remain flat-footed for me until the end of my turn. So if I'm making multiple attacks... By golly, you're flat-footed against every single one of them, yeah. which isn't necessarily the case otherwise. So that's really where the beauty of this talent lies. I think it's an awesome talent and one more gem in the scouts' repertoire. Does that does that make sense, TG? I know you you like to run a lot of stealthy characters, and I know we've kind of been through the stealth rules ad nauseum. But Dave, TG, what do you guys think about that? Yes, I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a good it's a good feat, and I understand where you're coming from. Um. So, but it, at the same time, if you were to move after you got total concealment and then hide while moving, then that counts as being able to get them flat-footed. Potentially, so, if they don't see you while you're moving. Yeah, when you make right. that check, yeah. So, if you can move while you're in total concealment, then you're, you're making a stealth check while you're moving. So, in this instance, you don't have to move and you can make the stealth check as a swift. Correct. So That's there's, the benefit of it. Okay. There's, there's, there's several benefits to this. Uh, well and did, above the standard stealth didn't rules. It, did I, it, I think it's a cool talent. Did, that not, did it not say until the end of your next turn? Uh, I'm, I'm reading it now, and specifically it says until the end of your turn. Oh, okay. I thought you said the end of your next turn. Okay. The, the end of your turn. The uh, end of your next turn would be tight. That, yeah, that, that threw just, me. I was like, what the? Yeah. Okay, but no. But again, this is not a per-encounter ability. It's not, a, it's not a per day ability. You can use this as often as you want as a swift action. I could use this every round. There you go. All right, TJ has a question, which we will hear right now. Hey, guys. It's TJ, known as TJ on the forums, of course. Calling in this week uh, with a question I also posted on the forums that's not... Uh, Saga Edition specific, but I'll phrase it, phrase it in terms of Saga Edition. Um, as far as the sort of gamest recharge mechanics, specifically on force powers, and if you get into other systems, other powers, uh, that WotC has been doing, how do you guys uh, think that should be handled out of combat? If I have a Jedi player in one of my games that wants to do uh, a couple quick jumps to get to the top of a building, but he only has one use of Surge, I make him jump up to one ledge and then, you know, wait 
for a certain period before he can do it again? Do I make him spend a force point? Do I go by the rule of cool and just let him use it wantonly out, outside of uh, combat within reason? Um, what do you guys think? I'd like to hear your opinions. Uh, keep up the great cast. See you later. All right, so my opinion here is you're out of combat. It's not a per encounter ability kind of thing. I'd kind of I'd be a little bit more lenient to that effect. So you're rule of cool? Yeah, I'd go with rule of cool. Now, if you wanted to like force slam, you know, things that I, I would I would all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden it would be initiative, but Yeah, you're in combat at that point, yeah. Yeah, but if, you know, if you're if you're just if you're up there trying to do the old Spider-Man jump from building to building and, you know, you're doing it just to do it. I mean, you know, what's the you know, there's got to be a point to it. You know, so if it's a skill challenge or something, eh, maybe not, but I think I I just have to kind of weigh it as to yeah. why why is that in your game that you have to surge twice. Yeah. Anyway, trying to scale a building or something, but Yeah. TJ, what do you think? Yeah, I'm totally with rule of cool. That's usually my ruling though in the in the player's favor. <laughs> if it's not in combat, just let them do it. They can, you know, unless unless you have written as a GM some kind of time restriction that maybe they're not aware of, or maybe they are aware of. So they're not officially in combat, but they still have 20 minutes in order to accomplish a specific task. True. For me, yeah. the distinction, Tej, is the difference between combat and an encounter right um and that that's that's kind of a big thing keep in mind an encounter doesn't have to be combat a skill challenge is an encounter to me a social interaction is an encounter not so much surge but a big one that that pops the question for me that i see often on the table is mind trick if i only have one thing a mind trick and i'm trying to you know swindle a a a used speeder salesman out of his speeder because i've only got 200 credits to buy it with and i fail my mind trick uh (laughs) use the force check can i do it again um, well, yeah, sure, if you walk away for a few minutes and come back, why not? But at that point, maybe he's already sold it. Maybe he's tired of dealing with you. At that point, though, I would consider that an encounter. Um, to TG's point, if you're timing something, you know, wow, he's only got one minute to make it up the side of this building with Surge before, you know, the guards spot him. Well, that's an encounter. And at that point, I, I would only allow Surge once. But honestly, man, I agree with these guys. When in doubt, always go with the rule of cool. It's fun, um, but th- that's that's really where the distinction is. If it's not an encounter in your mind, I see absolutely no problem with allowing multiple uses of it outside of combat. Vital transfer is another one where it's commonly like you know I'll just yeah I'll, right. I'll vital transfer you. Yeah. We're we're out we're out of combat. It's you know yeah, yeah okay I'm not gonna wait a minute and, and wait a minute. Okay, well that's seven vital transfers. That's gonna take you seven minutes. Uh, you know or <laughs> to to do. I'm gonna roll a random encounter every minute on that. You know come on. Um, you know, and you may laugh, but I've game with people who work like that, so it can be a bit tough. But th- that's an excellent question. So yes, very good. Our thoughts on that, man. All right, so time to stop down for Alex and Trevor. Uh, Fragments from the Rim. It's their thirty-first installment of Fragments from the Rim. Guys, you've been with us now for almost what? That would make it almost over six months, seven months, yeah. eight months, almost. And it's as awesome as it ever was. It's as awesome as it ever was. In fact, Trevor, I believe, is in the chat room, if I'm not mistaken. The chat room that is now up to 127 people watching the show. So, hello. And we'll be back in about four and a half minutes. Welcome, Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim. How may we be of service to you today?
Hi, this is Alex. And Trevor. This is segment number 31 of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen to talk about two things. First, a force power, and then a talent. The force power is the fold space force power you'll find on page 25 of your Jedi Academy training manual. It says, you can use the force to bend space, transporting an object almost instantaneously from one place to another. It takes a full round action, and the target is one held or unattended object within six squares and line of sight, or one vehicle you occupy. And then you have to make your use the force check, and there's a whole list, of course, of different sizes and distances. Uh, it goes from a DC-20, you can move a medium or smaller object up to six squares. A DC-40, you can move a colossal or smaller object up to 30 squares. And there's a variety in the middle. The only question I have when we're looking at it is when we're talking colossal 30 squares, are we talking starship scale squares at that point or not? Under special, if the object you are transporting contains other objects or creatures, such as a starship, everything contained within the object is transported as well. You can spend a force point to increase the maximum size of the object you can move by two categories, all the way up to Colossal Cruiser, or to double the distance the object is transported. That is a really powerful power, especially because the target can be a held object. There's a lot of fascinating things you could do with that power in and of itself. Then you go to page 73 of your Jedi Academy trading manual and take a look at the folded space mastery talent from the monk talent tree with a name that I can't pronounce. This talent, of course, you'd have to actually be part of the this group of Ang-T monks or simply be a Jedi Master, Sith Lord, or Force Disciple. Here is what the folded space mastery talent says. While you are the pilot of a vehicle, you can use the fold space force power to move the vehicle across long distances. If your use the force check to activate the power is sufficient to move an object of the same size as your vehicle, or larger, you can use the power to move your vehicle and all of its occupants safely to the desired location. And that's the only qualifier it has. Just any desired location. Oh, anywhere in the galaxy. Continuing to read. You use your use the force check result instead of a use the computer check as though calculating a hyperspace jump. This otherwise uses the normal rules for hyperspace travel, though travel is instantaneous and requires no hyperdrive. That is amazing. To be quite honest, it's so good, I would be very hard-pressed to allow fold space, just as a force power in and of itself in the game, let alone folded space mastery into the game. I think they're just a little too good. Over to you, Trevor. Today, I'm going to talk about someone being happy. I'll explain why. There are trends that I find in D&D, and in every game I've ever played. Uh, first trend I can mention is that whenever a panther walked onto any Battletech battlefield in a game that I ever played, they always died in a headshot. Nothing else injured, just their head blown off. We have a gentleman in our game who plays a Jedi who uses Battlestrike. He always loads up his battle strike, rolls it, gets an awesome number. If he hits, he's going to do some serious damage. What does he always follow up a battle strike roll with? A miss. It's almost comical to the fact that he's always missing. Now, if he takes the combat trance talent from the Jedi Weapon Master talent tree on page 21 of the Jedi Academy training manual, he'll at least have a little bit of indication because whenever you use the battle strike power, you gain the power's bonuses on attack rolls on your first melee attack made each round until the end of the encounter. If you do not attack in a round, 
the effect ends. But what that means is that even though he misses the first round, he at least gets a plus one for the rest of the battle, as long as he keeps trying to hit every round. So he gets a little bit of indication back for the fact that he usually misses with his battles, right? Anyways, if you have any questions or comments, please uh, send Alex or I an email at order66 underscore fragments at rogers.com. And until next time, have fun gaming. Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. As always, Alex, Trevor, thank you very much for Fragments from the Rim. As we begin to settle into what we would call... The meat. The meat. That meat is delicious. So, I think I think the title for this segment, as I was kind of mulling it around, we're going to call this "Screaming at the Redheaded Stepchild." Hey, that's not nice. That's not uh, nice at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for, for tonight's episode, we're we're delving into some meaty, meaty, crunchy usefulness. Uh, we had a strong request from our good friend, intrepid cellist. Um, aka Josh, who who writes what what does what he what does he write? Dave, what what is Intrepid Cellist write? Uh, and who plays the oboe? By the way, it's really weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> it would be cool if in the show you guys could like cover some attacks, parenthetically, both force related and otherwise that hit defenses other than reflex to help change things up a bit and put the fear of God. The fear of God into high reflex characters with evasion, as well as give your PC some alternate attack methods. Good suggestion, sir. Uh, several recent forum posts have also been made in the same vein, with listeners taking advantage of our adventures on our NPC build sections to post the question. How best to jack somebody up while ignoring their reflex defense? <laughs> uh, basically, like it, it's we've said before, it, dexterity is really the big stat in Saga Edition. It governs ranged weaponry, which pretty much dominate this game, as well as the primary defense, reflex defense. Let's be frank. For those of us who have played this game for a while, it can be all too easy to fall into the pattern of defensive actions. Reflex is there for combat. It keeps you from getting hit. Fortitude is there passively. It helps your damage threshold. Will is important, but really only out of combat. We are here tonight to tell you that it doesn't have to be that way. Attacks and abilities, both in combat and out, that target fortitude and will defenses can surprise the heck out of your players when an NPC turns them into a pile of steaming orange goo, and can also give those same players the ammunition to melt the faces and the resolves of many a self-esteemed badass. So set your preconceptions aside, Gamer Nation. Laugh at your dexterity score like the red-headed stepchild, and let's talk about the neglected defenses. So huh. to start start with, let, let's let's preface this, Dave and TG, by by talking about what, what we're not gonna talk about. Poison. We're we're certainly not gonna talk about poison and a few other things. So let, let's just clear the air with a couple disclaimers. Okay, we are not going to cover every single option out there. But we are going to cover a good number of them. We just don't have the time to cover every single option out there. And here's specifically what we are not going to talk about. Sorry, Dave. We're not going to talk about poison, the dark side. And things that don't directly affect a foe. That's what we're not going to talk about. That is what we're not going to talk about. Why are we not going to talk about poison? 
Well, all right, it attacks your fortitude defense, but it still has to hit you, right? Yeah. So you have to hit them to poison them. So that's still uh, reflex defense, all right? Dark side, force ability. They, yeah, they target will or fortitude, right? So we're just going to leave it out because the understanding is that we want the players to get a lot of that out of, out of this, and only rarely do players use dark side force abilities and powers with any frequency, like force lightning, for example, from a Wookiee who gets mad. Very much. Now, why aren't we going to talk about things that directly that, that don't directly affect foes? Well, in, a, in okay. a concrete way. All right. Well, here we go. There's there's a bunch of abilities that target will or or fortitude, and uh, they and they give you a bonus of some type. You know, when you use them, but that's not really what we're going to talk about today. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about abilities that target a foe's fortitude or will defense directly and have a concrete damaging or debilitating effect on that particular foe. So, you guys get it? Got it? Good. Okay. Get it, got it, good. Excellent. So, with that preface, well, let's kind of dig in. Um, and let's start by talking about the elephant in the room. Okay, Ooh. but before we get into the more esoteric stuff, let's cover uh, the option... Uh-oh. That it, what, well, what? It, the elephant in the room, it's purple. <laughs> I think it's... And any- it's got a long trunk. It's a girl. <laughs> Pink. Pink? Pink. Why, why do you see a pink elephant? I see purple. Uh, apparently, I'm not drinking what you're drinking. No, you're not. It's really good. You should, <laughs> you should borrow it. I think there's some in the fridge. If you turn around, you could probably grab some. Yo. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Yeah. Word. So before yeah. we, uh, we get into this more, more esoteric stuff, let's talk about this elephant in the room. Let's cover the big options smacking us all in the face in terms of directly attacking will or fortitude defense the force. Ah, uh, yes. Force powers are by far the simplest, most effective way to directly target a foe's fortitude or will, and we can group such force power usage into certain categories based on how you want to affect a foe. And TG, why don't you hit us up with the first category? The first category is purple elephant category. <laughs> no, kidding. It's it's called pulling the strings. Oh, so maybe it's an elephant on strings. Or Okay. I'm going too far with You're this. You're the puppeteer. <laughs> All right. Several force powers allow you to directly or indirectly dictate your foe's actions um, or deny them actions. So most notably, we've got force grip and mind trip. Duh, right? Um, these are in the core rule book. Uh, hopefully everybody knows that by now. Even I know that. And I don't know hardly <laughs> anything. Okay. And they limit your foe's action. Like, I'm just repeating myself. And they send them screaming away from you. So force grip has the potential to deal some pretty decent damage. And um, it, its greatest application is limiting a foe to a single swift action, which I have seen RGM, Dave, have you not seen this? Mr. Hotty Toddy GM over there use force uh-huh. grip quite effectively against yeah, us. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, Mr. Railroad. Whatever. I'm not railroading nothing, man. We're talking about plots. We're talking about combat. And let me tell you something. When the giant Wookiee with the Vibrowax is running, screaming towards my carefully prepared BBEG, nothing will slow him down faster than a wonderfully readied force grip, which limits him to that wonderful swift action. GM Lionel. Yeah. So, obviously, that's the best part of force trick. But mind trick, of course, you have that fear application, right? So you can send someone just running away. away, Yeah. Screaming like like a a little girl. girl. Make them think they saw a purple elephant. A purple It'll elephant. It'll freak people out. With a big trunk. With a very big 
trunk. Big trunk, yeah. Big, big trunk. It's better with a big trunk. Big just trunk. saying. It's I'm not saying, I'm just saying. So there's the pulling the strings category, and Force Grip and Mind Trick definitely fall into that, and I know those target Fortitude and Will, respectively. Right. Um, Dave, why don't you hit us up with the next category? Well, we're going to call this uh, a category of rooting uh, force powers, and we'll call it Freeze. Stop right there. Stop in your tracks, sir! Sir, please! Okay. We're going to call this Force Slam, Move Object, Force Whirlwind, and Slow. Okay? They, these mostly target Fortitude Defense, with, of course, the exception of Move Object, which is a Will Defense thing. Um... Most can deal damage, but rooting a foe to the ground or putting him up in the air so your buddies can, like, open up on him is, uh, <laughs> in a word, brilliant! Brilliant! It yes. is. And are these all core rulebook powers, or...? Uh, I believe they are. However, Force, Whirlwind, and Slow are not core rulebook powers. They must be found in Knights of the Old Republic campaign guide. So I love Force Whirlwind. I use that to good effect in Brev's um, uh, Dark Times campaign. Uh, they just sit there and spin and curse at you. It's very fun. <laughs> well, the next category uh, in terms of classifying Force powers, um, I'd like to call sleep. And you can envision like you know metronomes and you know sleep lullabies. So, um, these other powers um, are a little more passive in appearance, but they can have some of the greatest impacts on a foe. These powers are powers that all target fortitude defense, and they can be used to move your foe down the condition track, ideally directly into unconsciousness, or at least eventually. Um, so, wow, guys, that was a quick three-round fight. What's next uh, is basically the goal here. And these four, three big force powers would be Force Stun, of course, Malaysia, and Moritro. Uh, Force Stun, classic from the core rulebook, has the potential to drop a foe in one use if you roll high enough. Now, Malaysia and Maritro are both in the Clone Wars campaign guide, and the former uh, also softens up the target for your allies in addition to moving them down the condition track. And the latter can actually be maintained, meaning that if you're using Maritro, even if you can't drop them in a single round, you can drop them in five. You just maintain it from round to round. And if you succeed, they will go one step down the condition track each round. Um... That is freaking awesome. So there's that. You know, you know how else you can you can put your PCs to sleep if Ex you're you know, G GM plot exposition. Um, um, make them listen to Order sixty six. Yeah, that usually does it. That's yeah. not nice at all. Sleeping like babes. <laughs> well, all right, Chuckles. Why don't you give us the next category? <laughs> That's right. You know why? Because I'm going to bring the pain. Yeah, I found I sound really threatening, don't I? Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's pretty simple here. You deal direct damage. Um, you either do this by tearing through a foe's mind, and not delicately, I might add, or you burn them to a crisp, um, which is my preference. I really like fire. Fire, it's interesting. Good. Fire bad. Oh, bring the fire. So, okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Fire. Okay. Mind shard. Thought Bomb, Stagger, and Combustion. These are the four that we're talking about in this group. So Mind Shard and Thought Bomb, uh, these are in the Jedi Academy, and they both target your will, and they have some fringe benefits as well. Um, so Mind Shard lets you move a foe down the condition track, and the Thought Bomb can 
target multiple foes, which is kick ass. Uh, Stagger and combustion, those target fortitude. And, uh, well, y'all can find those in the Legacy Air uh, book. Um, let's see. In, in Stagger, it's kind of a eh, power because it deals a little bit of damage and, and you shift the foe. But combustion, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. It catches your foe on fire. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, that fire. Um, Master Topographer uh, West... You can wake up now. We apparently we put him to sleep with the last force power that we. Oh yeah. Oh, see, we're that's, so that's, good that's, like that's, that. That's how powerful we are. I see that's him. Oh yeah. yeah. I see him snoozing in the chat room there. Yes. Okay, so the last time I ever dealt with catching uh, my enemies on fire was when I played three point five D and D, and I was restricted to doing one die six of damage per round once they caught on fire, and that frankly was bs it's still what it is if you're on fire that's just what the standard fire damage does to you so it still does this you catch your foe on fire so you deal initial damage yeah the, the initial and damage then they is catch nice. on fire and then they catch on fire and then they have to spend a full round to either put it out or take one die six a damage until they put it out correct right and but then you get to hit them again I, I, you could you could hit him again i think it's kind of munchkin-esque quite frankly to like I don't know. You know, it's like, oh man. It, well, like as a GM, it's it's like it's like this. Okay, if you catch one of my NPCs on fire, if he's got 187 hit points, I'm sure a D6 doesn't mean crap to him. If he's a sentient being and not a beast or something like that, you're on fire. <laughs> you don't know that you have 187 hit points. All you know is you're on fire, and it would take a lot for me as a GM to say, oh yeah, he's not going to take the full round action to put himself out. <sighs> in fact, and, and if one of my players tries to pull that shenanigans, I'll be like, so you're not going to put yourself out when you're on fire? And, you know, it, it's one of those things that on the bright side, I like being on fire, I like combustion, because in essence, you're taking a foe out of the fight for a full round while they put themselves out. I think that's the real benefit of being on fire. Yeah. Eh, yeah. You know what? I think an, an additional thing that should be added is every round it should be, the fire damage should be upped by a die six because as fire continues to burn, it grows and gets bigger and stronger. It just oh, makes sense. Oh, hey. You know, you know TJ, I think you, should yeah. write, I think you should go to d20radio.com slash forum and get over to the Order 66 boards in the suspending the rules section and proposit that as a house rule. Like because it. that is an excellent house rule. That is. Plus, it's a penalty for munchkinism. <laughs> So, okay, what, what's the point of this? We've got these categories for force powers, all of which target fortitude and will. What's the takeaway? Force powers are by far the easiest way to directly affect a foe through these otherwise neglected defenses. But when you pick force powers in this manner, make the decision early on whether you want to specialize or whether you want to diversify. Okay, being able to dish out damage, freeze a foe in place, and make them very woozy, that's all very versatile. But let me tell you something. A force user with five force stuns and Maritro in their power suite will drop someone very quickly in an encounter. Probably two or three people, guaranteed. Yep. Period. So, you know, just kind of decide where you want to go with it. But those are some great options for force powers. That is by far the most direct way to deal with fortitude and reflex on a, a straight-up confrontational level. But let, let's move on. So 
let's talk a little bit about fun with talents, and this is where we start to get into some of the good stuff. So force powers aside, there's a really fair number of decent talents that directly affect a foe via their fortitude and will defense. Now, your class choice, far and away, is the most defining choice you can make for your character, and you're going to have the least amount of flexibility there um, in terms of determining your talents, unlike when choosing force powers. So we're going to tackle these options on a class-specific level. Now, a lot of these talents are for lack of a better term, known offenders that everyone thinks of when they think of you know, directly targeting fortitude or will for awesome sauce. Um, other talents we're going to talk about get nary a mention on the forums or the character sheet. So let's talk about the tried and true, and let's also open up your eyes to, to a few things you may have glossed over in the past. Okay? You'll notice also the soldier and the scout are two classes that are suspiciously absent from this dissection. This is because... Well, they have very little in the way of direct force and will-defecting abilities. And this is as it should be. Their combative strength is in holding a gun and using it well. Right. You meant, and you meant to say fortitude, not force. Oh, sorry. My, my, my bad. Yep. My, my bad. Well, this first segment, let's, let's talk about, and we, we can talk about some of the talents underneath it. Um, uh, is there anything a Jedi can't do, guys? <laughs> I mean, seriously. They can't pick their friend's nose. They, well, they can. It's just gross. Honestly, they could probably do it with move light object. Yeah, they um, could do it with the force for crying out loud. Yeah, well, but their friend would have to be willing. Yeah, here's what and they I can't do. I don't know of any friend that would be willing to let a, a, their friend they can't, go. A, new, they can't. a new power, force handkerchief. Right. You expel the phlegm from your foe. <laughs> Line of sight, six squares. They can't <laughs> cut the head off of their friend to pick their nose. That's one they can't do. Uh, so, so you, you guessed it, youngling. Some of the biggest known offenders out there for non-reflex abilities belong to Jedi. And it is, a, it is a dedicated build to do so, but the most effective Jedi often never swing a lightsaber. And Dave, why don't you hit us up with the first big offenders, the two that everyone thinks about. Ah, uh, yes. Think- Adept Negotiator, Master Negotiator, Core Rulebook, page 39, part of the Jedi Counselor, Consular, Talent Tree. Uh, the talents let you make a persuasion check versus will defense to move a foe directly down the condition track. That's it. That's it. Game over. Do not collect 200 bucks. Do not pass. Go. Go directly to jail. Mm. Getting trained in persuasion is uh, tricky sometimes. Uh, so, level up in noble or nab force persuasion. Easy enough. Easy enough. Um, I, I'm playing a, a master negotiator character in Brev's um, uh, uh, Dark Times game right now. Uh, a kill noble Jedi uh, with master negotiator and a debt negotiator. And it's pretty disgusting. TG, I know you sat in on a couple of those sessions. And it was like we were level two and Brev threw like a CL like nine Wookiee meat wall at us and expected a couple of us to die. And I had him dropped in three rounds. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was disturbing. Very disturbing. It was. It was, but it, it's, it was Brev's game. They're usually disturbing. <laughs> Good point. So why don't you hit us up, girl, with the next, uh, the next couple talents that uh, a Jedi has in this regard. I'll hit you up, dog. Yo. Uh, Yo. For shizzle. Okay. <laughs> That's right, dog. The adversary lore and known weakness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm going to stop that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. The South, oh, the South, oh South Brooklyn, thanks you. Uh, uh, <laughs> our number of viewers actually just went from 160 to uh, nine. 
Ah, yeah. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Wow. Sorry, viewers. I'm ashamed. She okay. should be. So ad- advers- adversary lore and no weakness? By the way, and TG no- is, uh, for those of you listening at home, TG is white. <laughs> oh, I don't readily admit it. <laughs> if it's not obvious. Okay. Yes, adversary lore, no weakness. These are some odd talents. Um, and they're part of the consular talent tree. And they're found in the Jedi Academy training manual. I believe it's page 14. Um, oh. At least that's what the notes in front of me tell me it is. Because <laughs> I don't know these things. Um, basically, it allows you to make a use the force check versus will. Dropping massive debuffs on all enemies within 12 squares. So, um, with a minus two to their reflex, making it easy for your allies to hit, and giving those allies a plus die six to damage their, um, yeah, to do damage. Yeah, if they do hit, right? If they do hit. Yeah. Yes. If hey, man. So it's like it's like counter. It's like a an extra die six. So it's like fire damage every round. <laughs> fire, uh, yes, fire, fire, fire. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful flavor text. Very very nice. So I, I like adversary lore, lore and no weakness. It's kind of um, it's one of those things that it's very noble noble esque, um, you know, just debuffing the foes and and you know giving bonus damage at the same time if you're good enough if you have that that no weakness. But um, I don't know. There, there's some pretty good stuff and you know directly directly targeting will. Um, now, lastly, I, I did want to talk about dampen presence. I wanted to talk about this as a one-off because you know uh, it's just so damn useful. This is not a combat ability. But it's worth noting, and nobody really talks about it, and I think it's drenched in awesome sauce. So, it is found in the Force Unleashed campaign guide, page 24. And basically, if you have Dampen Presence, you can make a Use the Force check versus Will Defense of a, of a target. And it will make the target forget that they ever talked to you. It will for- make them forget that they ever interacted with you. Forever! <laughs> so, mind trick, eat your heart out, basically. Um, it's a wonderful thing for Jedi that don't wish to be found, or if you're buttering someone up and you don't want them to be able to identify you later, I think it's a marvelous ability, and it targets will defense directly. So, there you go. Well, okay, that's Jedi. Um, so, moving on a bit, let, let's get to some, some bread and butter issues. I don't think it would surprise either one of you that uh, the, the noble is best positioned to attack a foe or affect them directly through through will defense. Uh, I- it, <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm <laughs> utterly shocked. This you, is what? this is you, new to me. I don't. Yeah. You you are utterly shocked. It's it's kind of what they do. It's their bread and butter. Every ability that we'll be talking about here targets will defense, and it, it runs the gamut from from debuffs to what is really thinly disguised mind control. Um, TG, why don't you hit us up with the the first of these couple talents that the noble has that are that are awesome? You want me to hit you up again? Why do you think I'm asking? I love it when you hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> Just please avoid the South Bronx accent. Oh, I thought you liked. You told me you liked it last night. Yeah, that's private. Oh, shit. Okay, so presence and demand surrender. I love demand surrender. Okay, these two core rulebook talents come from the influence talent tree, and they rely on the power of persuasion. So for it to do what it does best, basically taking a foe out of the fight, intimidation via a persuasion check, is a pretty basic tactic. It targets your will and can flat out make a a foe run away from you. 
presence lets you do this as a standard action. And then demand surrender is its big brother letting you to do the same, but without the runaway part. So you make them just surrender right in front of you. And let me tell you, these talents are kick ass. They are awesome. Love them. You, I know your your noble and your all you game has used uh, used these a fair amount. Oh yeah, definitely and very effectively. I mean, it gosh, it helps out the party so much. It's just one less person that they have to try to shoot at, waste their bullets on. True that. Need to. True that. Well, the next talent in this uh, that we'd like to talk about underneath the noble is is one I like a lot uh, called True Betrayer. Um, it is a freaking ransacking talent um, drenched in awesome sauce that takes this concept of like the whole surrender and, and all that to the very next step where if you beat a foe's will defense with your persuasion check they mm-hmm. actually switch sides for a brief round <laughs> and they attack one of their allies really out of confusion basically um, and yeah. th- now this, this is a hard to get talent it's a third tier talent but it is so worth it Okay, you can find that as part of the provocateur talent tree which is in the legacy era campaign guide page 28 so if it's a third tier talent how long does it take you to get you, could get, you, could, get, you could get it as, it has two prerequisite talents you could get it by fifth level if you devoted yourself okay well that, that seems pretty cool Yeah, it's not, it's not bad at all it's really not bad at all so. We've talked about this next talent before because we had some fun trying to discuss its name. <laughs> Cast- tell, tell Castigate. Us about it. Castigate. <laughs> Castigate. It sounds so close to something else. I'm sure everybody can get the idea. <laughs> um, it's from the Disgrace Talent Tree in Scum and Villainy on page 14. There's a lot of page 14s tonight. There, there is. A, there is. I noticed a lot. A lot of. A lot of page 14s tonight. <laughs> So basically, this simple talent lets you make a persuasion check versus, what do you think, the will of the target. And it gives them minus two to all defenses. All defenses? All. All defenses for a whole round. So not only does it target their will, but then it also reduces that horrible, awful reflex defense that everybody doesn't want to have to go up against. At least tonight, anyways. Very, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, why don't you hit us up with the very last noble talent? Fluster! I'm so flustered. Oh my gosh. I'm so flustered too. Fluster. I, I tend to uh, I tend to fluster those of the female persuasion. You uh, do, Dave. You do. I know. I get flustered every time I come around to. <laughs> and you do Sorry, come Chris. around me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite talents from the influence a talent tree, I might add. Uh, which is found, uh, by the way, in the KOTOR campaign guide, page 26, not 14. Um, you can make a persuasion versus will check to limit your foe to a single swift action on their next turn. It's kind of like that force grip thing. Once Kinda. per encounter. But still. Still, that's that's awesome. Yeah. They're flustered. That's- they're flustered. You're staring into their eyes while they're talking to you, and all of a sudden, they completely lose their train of thought, and they're like, uh, uh, what was I saying? Well, what, what, what? Exactly. See, you experience this all the time, don't you, Dave? I do. You just do this naturally. In fact, I do it, I do it sometimes on purpose, just for fun. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. So those are a handful of uh, noble talents that really accomplish the, the direct fortitude and will attacking and, and, and debuffing very, very well. But to kind of 
come towards a close of the talent discussion, uh, I, we kind of want to finish with, with a little, like a, like a me too, me too, um, talking about the scoundrel. And obviously, like we said, the scout and the soldier don't really have anything in this vein. But the scoundrel doesn't really have too many options either. But the scoundrel has always, to me, been kind of like noble light <laughs> in, in many respects. <laughs> less filling. Um, Tastes and less great. filling. <laughs> less filling. More <laughs> deception. Um, uh, so, in, in that respect, there's a couple abilities they have that are worth mentioning. Uh, particular, uh, Hesitate and Sow Confusion. Two talents which are part of the Misfortune talent tree and found in Scum and Villainy, page 15. Ooh, one off. One off, 14. boom. Not 14, 15. Boom. Um, hesitate about. and Sow Confusion are pretty cool. These, these talents let you make persuasion and deception checks versus will to limit a target's actions. Um, forcing them to spend a swift action if they want to take their standard and denying them any full round action. Uh, and you know that, that's semi-useful, but honestly, if you got a scoundrel and you want to take a talent that lets you do something to directly target Will, you could do a lot worse. Um, and and that's, that, that, that's pretty cool. Um, it, it is kind of situational. I find it to be the, uh, of the most use when you've got basically a multi-attack monkey, like a General Grievous, someone who is dual attacking or, or double weapon uh, you know, mastery out, out the yin-yang and it's just pounding your guys with hit after hit after hit. Obviously, with this, they can't take a full round action, yep. which kind of prevents anything but a single attack in most instances. Right. So, there you go. That's the real, that's the real big things there. And lastly, as we close up the, the talent discussion, let's, let's head to the prestige just a bit. Now, generally, we like to leave discussions like these to the core classes um, as, as deep dives into the various prestige classes. And what they offer in this arena would lead to a five-hour show. Ah, uh, yes. But uh, um, th- there, there are a couple things um, so terribly effective that they deserve to be mentioned. Um, and TG, considering your current character in my ah, game, I, yes. I was wondering if you could tell us about the first two talents uh, in, in these in this prestige class arena, they're very imposing. Certainly, I'm, I, I most certainly will do that. And you're right, Dave. They are imposing because they impose hesitation and they impose confusion. Mass confusion. Yeah. So these two talents are part of the corporate agents' corporate power talent tree. Very creative uh, naming <laughs> of the talent tree, I might add. Oh yes. And this this is of course in your uh, Kotor campaign guide on page. 43, not 14, mm. and can deny many enemies in a massive cone their swift and full round actions through a persuasion, persuasion check versus the will. Um, it's once an encounter, you can even, well, it's not once an encounter, but once an encounter, you can choose to deny all foes in a 12 square cone their standard action. Dude, that's like a full room in a lot of, cam- in a lot of uh, encounters. Yeah. It, it it really it really is. It's yeah. it, it's very cool. I don't know, but we 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 waxed awesome about it when we talked about the corporate agent a while back. Um, Did we wax but, or wane? Yeah. Now, when you were building your corporate agent for our game TG, were you drooling over these talents at all, or were you looking at some of the others? Um, I, the corporate agent, I just think in general was badass. I don't yeah. know why I didn't yep. see it earlier. So I drooled over these talents because that's kind of what my character does. She yeah. takes people out by either making them stop having actions or making them run away and then give more actions to her. Run away! Yeah, run away, Monty Python. H- harsh language. Yes. So, yes, very, very cool. It deserves mentioning. Dave, why don't you hit us up with the other prestige class talent that we just couldn't go without mentioning? One, two, 
five. Three, sir. Three. Oh, three. Okay. <laughs> Recruit enemy. All right. This is an iconic talent from the recently released Rebellion campaign era campaign guide. And uh, this is uh, page uh, 14, 40. 40, not 14, 40. 40. Four Still zero. a four, though. Four zero. Giro, giro. Okay. This belongs to the officer's new rebel recruiter talent tree. It's only usable once per encounter, so, you know, meh. But it does what true betrayer cannot. Make that persuasion versus will on a foe about to die, and you genuinely make them switch sides. We talked about this before, mm -hmm. and this is fantastic. So they become your full ally for the rest of the encounter, and hopefully... Four years to come. However, my question is, if they were really about to die, how many hit points do they actually have? <laughs> well, if you, in terms of the actual mechanics, it's one of those things. If, if, if they get dropped, basically, if there's an attack that's going to kill them, you can activate this ability as a reaction. And instead of being dropped, they take half damage from the attack, move one right. step down the condition track. And if your, persuasion check, if your persuasion check beats their will, and at that point they... They're still alive, and they've they've changed sides. Hey, that would work. That would work for like a um, like you know when the Wookiee goes charging in and does like forty seven points of damage. See <laughs> running up. Act? I don't want to hurt you. Join us. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course, he's he's saying it with a Wookiee. <laughs> don't, don't make me angry. Uh, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry, sir. <laughs> Very nice. So, so did we get? Did we cover everything, or are we so missing? What are we missing? Yeah, we, we're. Oh well, yeah, we we are we are missing a few things. Um, so okay, so aside from the class abilities and and the force, what else can a savvy GM whip out of his adventure binder? What else can a player Handcuffs. hum and haw over? What? <laughs> Handcuffs. 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 They always make a game more fun. Later, honey. Go. Later. Here we go. Okay, uh, I remember. I remember a time that. Remember our remember our friend TK421 that we haven't heard from in like months. Yeah. yeah. He said that he was uh he was uh talking to some Athorians and they started yodeling at him. Ah, Do you remember that? You see, yeah, and now, now now you now you come to it, sir. Why don't you why don't you tell ah, us yes. about this? This would be this, this the Athorians bellow. This yes. is core rulebook page 27, no 4 here. So we've discussed it before, but the Athorian has a natural ability to scream a six-square cone of nasty. <laughs> okay, and this is uh, Sonic Energy. It targets a fortitude defense directly. It deals 3d6 sonic damages, sonic damage, but it moves the Athorian one step down the condition track. So they can deal more damage and move further down the condition track as well. So... Here comes the beautiful Athorian with Shake It Off can pull off this every single round. Use the use their swifts to recover the one step on the on the condition track and do it over and over again. A true screamer, if you will. <laughs> and also, like indomitable equilibrium. There's yeah, other they things can do that the could, same thing. Accomplish yeah, that same goal. exactly, yeah. exactly. So hey, absolutely. Yep. Boom. Well, um, there's a few other things that, that can, of course, attack Ford or Will directly. Um, TG, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about the next? There's a reactor leak in the oh, core. It's very, very bad. Just give us a few minutes to lock it down. 
largely <laughs> very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, so it's on page 25, or no, 255 of the core rule book. See, it's 25 and then another 5. Get 25 it. and a 5, yeah, 25, 5, 5 squared, 5. <laughs> and if our listeners aren't confused enough already. <laughs> it's on page 255 of the core rubric. Radiation. Ah, radiation. Yes. It attacks fortitude directly, dealing damage with? as well as imparting persistent steps down the condition track. Nasty. Eight Nasty. Oh. Nasty. It can leave your players... And quite a pickle. So, as a player, I don't suggest this to GMs to use because <laughs> it's not very nice. And as a GM, yeah. I swear okay. by it. I swear <laughs> by it. Well, okay, you bring up a good point. This is very much an environmental hazard. TG, what is a PC expected to do to utilize radiation against their foes? Well, GM Chris and. Ah. Page 39 of Galaxy at War, there's a thing called a radiation grenade. <laughs> it's a very expensive and highly illegal piece of tech, but it's nasty and it exposes its victims to radiation. Oh, yeah. I've got to take the mains off the line. Offline. <laughs> the good of the many is greater than the good of the few. Or the, or the one. one. <laughs> Very, very nice. I love the radiation grenade. I read that in Galaxy War. I was like, God. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I can throw a grenade and you one persistent step down the condition track? Are you yeah. kidding me? Uh, and deal damage? I'm okay, so- I want to oh. know whose idea it was to come up with the radiation grenade. Well, we had Rodney on the show. We, we should have asked him about We should have. We will next time. We will. We will. Because now, now you're going to kill my character in the next now game. Now he's going to be afraid, though. Absolutely. You have he's no going to blame it on Sterling. God. He's going to blame it on Sterling or Gary. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, lastly, uh, while we're talking about grenades, uh, let's not forget the joy of Cough Cough, the gas grenade. The Rebellion Era Campaign Guide, page 49, uh, gives us a military-grade item. <laughs> what which deals was that, no GM Chris? I don't, I, don't know what that, I don't know what that was. Uh, God. I crass. think he ate too many beans. Was that supposed crass. to be a gas grenade? That was crass. That's the wrong kind of... That's the wrong... Wow. We're wow. going to call this episode Rabbit Trail City. <laughs> God. <laughs> okay, the gas grenade. Rebellion Era Campaign Guide, page 49. It deals no damage, uh, but it attacks Fortitude Defense directly, and it moves its targets minus two steps down the condition track. Nice. Yep. And that's a pretty big freaking deal. Yes, they're not persistent, right. but still. Still minus, minus two, two. Yeah. Very good. So there's a few other options aside from the normal. Um, a couple of few pieces of equipment you might be able to do as well. So, okay, to, to close this discussion up, let's talk about shoring up your defenses. So the beauty of targeting Fort and Will directly is that most characters shore up their reflex defense at the expense of the other two. Well, I think we would be remiss in our discussion if we didn't cover the other side of this coin and talk about a few quick ways to boost your fortitude and will <laughs> against attacks and abilities such as these. You know, what if your GM listens to this cast and looks at you with an evil grin and starts rubbing his hands together? You kind of <laughs> need to figure out what you're going to do with your next level. We might be able to help with that. Um, so talents aside, there are some phenomenal class abilities that help in this area, um, as well as a few stellar feats, which any character can take, regardless of class, uh, which provide a great alternative defense boost. Um, So, 
kind of talk, divvying this up into two categories. The first one we kind of call like a rock. Um, it, it's, it's a fair assumption, I think, guys, to say that the vast majority of, of the above abilities we've just discussed, all those talents, all those force powers, um, a, a lot of them target, and especially all the talents, target will defense. And the mass, vast majority of those will defense things are mind-affecting effects. And there's a few quick ways around mind-affecting abilities. Are there not? Dave? Why don't you give us uh, the, the most common and easy way that most players who pick up the core rulebook um, figure out to get around mind-affecting effects? Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe droids? <laughs> <laughs> Enough said, right? Yeah. <laughs> you Enough know. said. Yeah. Enough so, said. Uh, also, Jedi Masters and Force Disciples are you know higher-tier prestige classes. Both have a good bonus, make you immune to fear. Or in the Force Disciples case, mind affecting effects in general. So there you are. Very, very true. Um, but yeah, yeah, droids are kind of the, the, the suck on this. If you want to target will, um, you know, usually it's mind affecting effects. You know, I hope you're not going up against a droid. Um, what, about a, what about a hut? They're pretty well, fairly immune to mind affecting effects, right? Well, they get, they get bonuses, yeah. Um, but, but usually against the Force, yeah. But, but even then, droids are pretty hardcore. And so there's that, but there's also a handful of feats that you should consider if you really want to shore up your defenses. Um, the first one I, I really like um, is from the Clone uh, Most of these are actually from the Clone Wars campaign guide, which really took this into account. Um, page 31, Unstoppable Force uh, provides a static plus five bonus to both fortitude and will defense against any use the force check. So it's kind of one of those, if you're making a Jedi hunter um, or a Jedi who's going against Sith quite a bit, this is a fantastic feat to take. Uh, it seems too specialized for me. Mm, mm. Well, what about... Well, fine then, Miss Specialization. Is the next one too specialized for you? Tell us about that. Well, the next one is Unwavering Resolve, which is also in the Clone Wars campaign guide. Page 32. Similar to Unstoppable Force, Unwavering Resolve provides a plus five static bonus to Will against Deception Check or a Persuasion Check. This one is not... Nah, that's too, too specialized. I don't think it's that specialized. <laughs> no, it's not. Deception, because it's deception or persuasion, not just use the force. And use the force check is really only going to be made um, if it's a Jedi or a Sith that you're fighting. But deception and persuasion can be made by a lot of different people. But it's Star Wars. You're going to be fighting Jedi and Sith a lot. At least I hope so. Um I don't know, but I, I agree. It is situational. But if you find you're fighting a lot of Force users, I think Unstoppable Force is very worthwhile. Um, un unwavering Resolve has a lot of really good effects um, out of combat as well. I mean, it would make you more resistant to cheaters. It would make you more resistant to hagglers, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I like that. Dave, hit us up with the uh, the third feat that could search uh, it up. Ah, yes. This would be Clone Wars, also page 32, Wary Defender. Fighting defensively, of course, is an action that a lot of smart players... Will often use to boost their reflex defense, if even for a brief period of time. Mm -hmm. So, with wary defenders, this fighting defensively, I mean, is also going to boost your fortitude and your will defense. Who nice. knew? Yeah, who knew? And the very last feat I think you should definitely consider is one that is is fairly new to us. It came out in the Rebellion Era Campaign Guide, page twenty nine. Imperial military training. Now, the feat does not say that you need to be part of the Empire to have this feat, 
but a savvy GM might say, well, uh, but hopefully you can find a way around it, maybe even rename it or kind of work it into your backstory as to why you'd have it. But in essence, this is a new feat. It's very simple. It's highly effective. Once an encounter, you can shrug off one mind-affecting effect that you are currently experiencing. And again, most of those will-targeting things are mind-affecting. So this can be highly useful in that regard. Yeah. So there you go. So there's some quick ideas just to kind of run through it, Intrepid Cellist. I hope that gives you and others out there a, a glimpse of some things you may or may not have considered in terms of building NPCs or players building PCs to go at combat um, in, or, or, or encounters in and out of combat in a new way. Some different talents and force powers to take a look at and some things that will bypass that tried and true reflex defense and give the, uh, the redheaded stepchildren of the defense world a little bit of love because we all need love. Very nice. Yep. Sad Panda, end of the show. Ah, very end of the show. Thank you guys all so much for, for calling in the questions you guys did. I love when we get in the call-in questions. Um, if you guys want to give us a call and leave a bumper or, or a question for the D20 Docking Bay, Dave, where can they do that? Do that at area code 206 or LUSA, as we so affectionately call the Loser Line. Loser! You guys are also welcome to email us, gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com, goodness at d20radio.com. And you can, of course, get to the website at d20radio.com slash forum, where you can uh, become a member of the Gamer Nation and post your questions for all to see. Intrepid Cellist did, and look what it got him. An entire episode. Look at that. An entire episode devoted to the one that plays the oboe. (laughs) <laughs> fantastic yup so alright Starspeed somebody put the phone number in the chat for Starspeed there 206-600-5872 you guys call Luzile USA Luzile boom 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 yup so uh, you know as a as an aside we thank you all for listening of course and you know for everyone who's been a part of this one Donovan Morningfire, GMJP, of course, Fiddleback, and Dan, Luke Lowbrow, also nice Alex, work, always. Alex, Trevor, you guys, thank you very much for all that you do to make our show a success, all you listeners. You, did, yes. you didn't thank Cody. Okay, thanks, Cody. Um, you guys join us again on Sunday. We're going to be a little bit earlier than usual because our guests have to be on early. That would be Sam Whitwer. He's back. Along with his good friend Chuck Hurstis. Chuck Hurstis is back. And we yes. will be continuing what, what, our discussion. What, what time are we broadcasting next Sunday? What is it, I'm 5? I'm guessing that we're going to be 5 or 6 p.m. Central, probably closer to 5, as soon as we possibly can. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you guys again. Thank you to my co-hosts. Thank you all for listening. This is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And keep them dice a-rolling. May they be full of the force. D20 Radio, where gamers roll.
www.d20radio.com. This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at StarWars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at Wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all names, pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Yes, we have time for a little bit of post show, and uh, just a little bit, just a little bit. First, um, first and foremost, I want to say that it has been very, very entertaining watching, listening, reading to the the werewolf game that has been going on games <laughs> plural that have been going on in the forums. Uh, I yeah. think the, the anonymity good. of the forums actually make it almost perfect to play a werewolf game. They, they do. And for those who may be wondering what Dave's talking about, a while back on Game On, uh, Fiddleback talked about, um, well, among the several games they talk about, the game Are You a Werewolf, uh, which was originally published by Looney Labs, and it's a variant of Mafia, uh, for those who might be familiar with that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we, TG, we, we've played a crap load of it in our recent like board gaming sessions, but it's brilliant yeah. to do it on a forum, man. I swear. Yeah, it's fantastic. You guys, check it out. It's in the Game On forum um currently there is a members only forum that i have built that is for play by post games and things like that we are going to be moving all the werewolf games to that forum so you guys will have to be signed into d20 radio forums to be able to see it however that being said there will probably still be a rogue game going on somewhere because it has caught on like the proverbial wildfire doing 1d6 of damage every turn (laughs) <laughs> by the way 206 the following turn and 3d6 the next turn. yeah by the way 205 people in the chat room on a tuesday night when we're not supposed to have a podcast is incredible yeah i, I must um, say yeah i'm just uh you know i'm just oh. i am i am taken aback by the popularity the magic of, of the intertubes <laughs> i know i know can you believe it can you believe it no i cannot it's awesome so yeah that uh dude that's uh that's really fantastic so yeah, blame Twitter. Yeah, yeah, it did go out on my Twitter, and it went out on my Facebook and all that other stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay, so, God damn you, Dave. Oh, um, see? Now hey. I didn't even... What are you doing, dude? Hey, what hey, are you TG doing? TG dropped the S-bomb earlier in the podcast. I can say God damn it. No, she uh, didn't. It was before the show started. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, 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 oh, no, I did say it. You weren't <laughs> You weren't listening, Dave. That's right. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so yeah, no, so so I can say, goddamn it, goddamn you, Dave. Okay, that that like a, a few post shows ago, when you got a bug up your ass to play new music and you played that Firefly song. By yeah, the owl, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
group or whoever. Owl City. F that Owl, Owl City. Yeah, whatever. Okay, City. when I when I listened to it, okay, I was like, wow, that's bubblegum pop. I'm sure 12-year-olds yeah. all over the country are dancing to that crap. What crap is that? What crap? And they played on the uh -huh. radio on the way home today, and I found myself singing along. <laughs> I know. I was too. Ah, I was blown Dave. away. Dave, you yeah. suck. You are a suck panther, dude. It's so fun. Ah. It's not brutal and it's not metal. Why do I like it? Ah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's one of those things where it's it's. I heard a DJ on Kiss uh, FM here, a local Dallas affiliate. Um, there is just something about the song. It's weird. It's stupid. It is retro. It sounds. It really does sound Pet Shop Boys ish of the eighties. It's weird and stupid. Why do I sing it? It's, and yet, God. you know you like it. It's I, I don't like it, it, but I sing it. What the hell's wrong with me? Yeah. They put crack in it. That's why. <laughs> they put crack in the sound. It comes through in yeah. the sound. Okay, so yeah. I got I got a new one out there in a different vein for those of you who want to listen to something new. And you may have already heard this. It's been playing on the radio something fierce recently. Um, but I like generic rock, um, lumberjack rock. Like, I'm totally cool with Nickelback. Everyone's, like, done with them. I, I still, yeah. Like I said, it all sounds the same, but I like the sound. Um so there's this band out there kind of in the same vein. They got one hit right now. They're called the Veer Union. That's V-E-E-R Union. Um, and they got this song out called Season, uh, which is in the same vein as, as the, the cool generic rock sound of the early 21st century and um, is pretty farkin' awesome, and you should listen to it. Go to YouTube. Just YouTube it. You can watch the video. It's worth it. Really? So so there, I, 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 yes, it's been in my head lately. That's not bad, dude. Dude, it's. I could totally jam to that. It's it's good stuff, man. I'm telling you. And I've, I've they've got one other single out. It's not been played on the radio yet, but it, it's all in all from what I've heard of the album, um, which I would never download illegally or anything like that. That's wrong. Um, it's it's a good album. Yeah. So, yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah. One more piece of music for your musicness. Yep. The name of the song is Seasons. S e a. Oh, thank, oh, thank you. Sorry, sorry. I forgot. I forgot the pluralness. Yeah, Seasons by the Veer Union, V-E-E-R, as in, like, the offensive um, juggernaut, the Veer. The Veer. That's right. <laughs> That's right. The okay. offense that they ran in, um, where did they run the Veer? Uh, TCU ran the Veer for the longest time, but you, you guys would be uh, familiar with Marshall, the uh, college Marshall that ran the Veer for years after their football team died. So since we're talking about football and a pig, you know, uh, swine flu going around at my office, you know what they call it? Pig poison. No, the piggy cold. The piggy? Piggy cold? Piggy cold. You got the piggy cold? Wow. I thought it was funny. Interesting. Interesting. What are you playing now? Jason Derulo. 
Jason Derulo, what you say? This is one of those that I don't typically like these little losers that do hip hop and yeah. R&B because most of it I don't consider music. But every once in a while, one gets to me, and this one actually did. Uh, I like it. Mm. Because it does have a, a bit of a musical quality to it. I like it when I hear the minors, especially when I get a, a song in A minor, but that's all country. But um, sometimes you get a song that just kind of, you know, it's pretty good. Mm. Say, if, if, if it's hip-hop, I, and, I, and I'm going to listen to it. It needs to be something from my childhood, like you know, some give me give me some, give me some Run DMC. Okay, give me some Public Enemy. Okay, I, I'm down with that. Um, maybe a little bit of the early, you know, NWA or you know, Dre Cube, some early stuff like that. Um, I wanted see if I wanted to listen to that kind of rap, I'd ask my mother to rap because she could probably do it just as well as they. <laughs> Whatever. I think it's very vital. To rock around, that's right. Yeah. Here we go. Street to rock around, to rock around, that's right. On time, it's tricky. Tricky. There you go, baby. Oh man. So yeah, I had no idea that I had. He, man, one of my one of my favorite rappers from the late '90s that um. I thought it faded away for a while because he started acting a lot, and he put out a new album a couple years ago that was really great. Is Mos Def? Um, oh, really? Well, you know yeah, your name is something. He's he's recently become one of my favorite stations on Pandora. So really, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So they're coming up with episode titles in the chat room, and some of them I really like. Some of the ones I've seen so far have been um, "Redheaded Stepchildren with Gas," uh, <laughs> uh, "Redheaded Step Gas," "On Frackin' Fire." How to target the redheaded stepchildren? Um, uh, episode eighty-three. Dodge this. Punch him like, in the I dump do, stats. I do like dodge. <laughs> Punch, <laughs> Punch him in, the, him dump in the dump stats. I I don't know where that came from in the episode, but it's funny. That's hilarious. I love it. Um, Punch him in the dump stats because that's what you're doing. What you're you're, doing. you're yeah. punching him in the oh, dump that's stats. It. That's it. That's it. Game over. That's it. The winner. Yeah, that, that wins. And that comes from, big applause, please, Christopher West, cartographer extraordinaire. Yes. Fantastic. Master cartographer. Punch, I, him, <laughs> punch him in the dump stats. Did I say master topographer uh, earlier? Yes, you did. Yeah. I said nothing because I was trying not to be a jerk. Wow. I meant cartographer. Topographer. What the hell is that? Philosopher. Punch him in the dump stats. Booyah! That's a winner. That's a winner. Chicken dinner. When I win a chicken dinner. Yep. Very nice. Yep. Very nice. I just, I just. Well, I'm it. out of things to talk about, man. I'm, 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 I'm done. This You're... is this is turning into a, a dragging post show now. Do you guys have anything new to add to the mix? I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm ready to move on, Dave. TG, what? Well, fine. My, Go ahead and move spice, on. My spice, uh, the the spice that I. Snorted before we started is starting to wear off. So. That you is a freaking spice? t-shirt. That is a freaking t-shirt right there. Punch them in the dump stats, dude. D twenty Radio t-shirt factory, man. We need to like hook up with a, a real t-shirt guy that has like his own manufacturing thing, so we can like <laughs> actually do t-shirts. That would really be cool. I just alienated the guy that does our t-shirts, <laughs> but uh, you know. I mean, seriously speaking. Oh, that would be. Really we should cool. do um, bumper stickers too. 
bumper Shit. stickers. Yeah, like uh, I never stickers. listened to the. Oh no, that's that's old. That's just so tired. <laughs> West is like, I want a percentage. Oh hey, here's something <laughs> else because we've talked about new music. All right, so TG and I started reading uh, the uh, a secret atlas. Um, which is the very first book in the Age of Discovery series uh, by Michael Stackpole, um, noted Star Wars author, and this is this is actually Stackpole. a fantasy series. He uh, he wrote for BattleTech too, if I remember right. Ooh, see, there you go. Um, but so far, this book is pretty darn good. Um, it's very yeah. very deep, very very rich writing. Um, very good. Speaking of cartographers. <laughs> Speaking of of cartographers. Um, but the first thing, as as I'm as we're getting through it, the first thing I'm thinking uh, is, wow. I totally want to run a campaign in this world. <laughs> it's like a good fantasy world, but Star Wars bleeds into it tremendously. And just to give you an example, like there's magic, but it's very rare and most people are afraid of it. And it's mostly practiced by these warrior swordsmen who can do awesome stuff with their swords that is very magical in nature. <laughs> That sounds familiar. Does that sound familiar at all? Just and, a little bit. Uh, there, there's like there's there's good and there's bad and and uh, if you if you don't devote a lifetime to the study of learning the magic through arduous toil, if you take the quick and easy path to power, oh. you will inevitably fall to evil when you're using the yes. magic. You wind up See? like uh, Professor Snape. <laughs> sound familiar at all? But no, it's yeah. a great book series, man, and. Um, I, I, just well, I say series. It's so far the first book is very good so far, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I can't I can't wait to finish it and read the rest. So uh, if you guys are looking for a, a really meaty, um, uh, world heavy uh, fantasy series to try, um, check out Stackpole, man. Uh, Secret Atlas is the first book. It's, it's proven to be excellent so far. Cool, man. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So all right. Short post show, but hey, we hadn't done post show in a few weeks, so might as well no. do a post show. Always Heck good yeah. to do a post show. Heck yes. Heck yes. Heck yes. All right. So, all right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, hour and 45 minutes into it. We'll say at this point in time, you guys come back on Sunday for episode number 4084. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. TG? It's on page 14 of the. Book. Yeah, thank you, it thank is. You. It is absolutely. So you guys, yeah, come back next week. It's sure to be a longer post show because Sam Whitwer will be in attendance next that's how, Sunday. That's how it always works. Sunday. TG, Sunday. say good night to the Gamer Nation. TG, say good night to the Gamer Nation. <laughs> it's late on a weeknight. Oh I'm so my pathetic. Word. All right, guys, you guys <laughs> stay hard. Keep jamming, and we'll see ya. <laughs> <laughs>